so when children hurt and they don't have another way to deal with it, often what they do is start experimenting with mind-altering substances, for example, like pot maybe or alcohol and then harder drugs because addiction has what we call tolerance. Mm -hmm. And what tolerance means is that to be able to get the same feeling, to be able to get the same hit, they need more. And, and so when, when children don't have an outlet for how they're feeling inside, what they may decide to do is numb, you know, stuff down what they're feeling inside. This episode is brought to you by the Blissful Parenting Toolbox. If you're looking for better ways to communicate with your child, deal with challenging behavior, or just improve your parenting skills, our free parenting toolbox contains the best resources from our expert workshops, as well as contributions from our podcast guests. These tools could be the missing link that you've been looking for to solve everyday parenting challenges and to access highly effective ways to communicate with your child without triggering conflict, arguments, or meltdowns. The best part is that these resources, tools, and templates are completely free and are a gift to you for being a valued member of our community and subscriber to our show. To get free instant access to the Blissful Parenting Toolbox today by visiting www.blissfulparenting.com forward slash toolbox. That address again, www.blissfulparenting.com forward slash toolbox. Register today and we'll see you on the inside. Hello, hello, Blissful Parents. Michelle Abraham, your host here today. You guys, I'm so excited for this interview. We have a dear friend of mine, Candace Potter, here with us. So, hey, Candace, how are you doing today? Hi, Michelle. Hi, everyone. I'm just going to say, just starting off, that I have a little bit of hoarseness in my throat. So, please just bear with me. Today. No problem. You sound fantastic. So, it's all oh, good. good. Okay. Um, let me tell our Blissful Parents a little bit more about you, Candice. So, uh, Candice is an addictions therapist in a private practice where she specializes in working with the families and other long- loved ones of people struggling with you with addiction in her unique and signature program, Family Addictions Counseling and Therapy Program. She's a former opioid addict with almost 35 years clean and sober. Candace has learned that overcoming addiction is a family condition, that everyone in the family is affected by the addiction and everyone needs to heal. For more than three decades, she's been helping both addicts and their loved ones understand their dysfunctional behaviors and make healthier life choices. So Candice, this is so fascinating. And today I really wanted to bring you on and really discuss like, what are some of the possible warning signs that your kid or your child is heading towards in that direction? And I know this conversation might be a little bit beyond some of our school age kids, uh, parents, but some of our school age parents of school age kids have kids that are a little bit older as well. And I Mm -hmm. think sometimes those signs, and you can tell us because you're the expert, sometimes some of these things we can actually start seeing earlier, even earlier on, right? Yes. Yes. So yes, I was aware that I was going to be talking with parents today of, of younger children than I usually deal with. Right. But, um, but you know, it's starting so much younger now. Um, and so it's really good for parents to be just aware of what they might want to be looking for 
<clears throat> if you're feeling like something's different with your child, I think you want to you want to trust that instinct and just check it out. You know, um, the usual suspects in terms of of how children um, let you know that there's something wrong mm-hmm. is when there start to be mood swings. That's one of the first things that you notice. And that's with kids who don't usually show those kinds of mood swings. Um, you know, I mean, as children get older, their job is to individuate. Mm-hmm. So what they want to do is tell you to leave them alone so they can be by themselves. You know, mm-hmm. that's normal. But when that kind of thing keeps happening, when somebody's isolating, mm-hmm. when a child is isolating or when um maybe they're hanging out with different kids than they used to hang out with, or they're just not quite themselves. You know, that's something to, to trust in yourself that you're seeing something different. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Like when they're switching up friend groups or, and I know for girls, especially like around grade six, like that there's a change, there's a big change in friendship that usually happens in grade six. I'm not sure why grade six, but it just seems to be very common. Like they're, you know, 10, 11 years old, or maybe a little bit of that 12, 13. <laughs> I can't remember how old they are in grade six, but there's something yeah. around that age group for girls too. So a change in, a change in, um, you know, changing friends, I think is something that's uh, very easy to kind of see that change and moods. Now it's hard to say the mood swings and like the isolation, because sometimes now kids are so like, they want to come home from school, get on their devices and go hang out in their room. Right. Yeah. So how is that to get, it's hard to like kind of decipher. Is that normal or is well, that not normal? <laughs> you know, if that's what's been happening and mm-hmm. that's been the normal in your family, mm-hmm. then yeah, that's going to be normal. But if it exacerbates, if it gets right. more, they don't want to talk to you at all. And, and they're being lippy and rude and, you know, when things like that start to change, that's when you need to step in and and kind of nip it in the bud. Um, so another another thing is when grades start to fall, because if kids are involved with drugs or alcohol or too much uh, social media or anything that you know you can sort of say as addictive that that other things are going to fall by the wayside right. when addiction comes in. You can't kind of do addiction and something else well. Right. So, you know, when that's happening, you want to you want to take note of that. And you know what you were saying, Michelle, about especially girls who are in grade 6-ish. Yeah, that's 11, 12 and I'm so glad that I'm not a, a young child in this day and age. Honestly, it just feels so confusing to me as an adult. I can only imagine what it feels like as a child. And and what happens with girls, it's a little bit different for boys. They're, they're programmed a little differently from media. But what happens with girls is all these music videos are coming out and they're, and social media stuff that, they're supposed to start being sexier at age 11. Like something Mm -hmm. is wrong with this picture. They don't, they, when a child is that young, they don't really comprehend what that's all about. They're just going along with the trends, you know, and that can get girls into an awful lot of trouble. So 
it may be something to talk to your your girl about your daughter and but it's hard you know because your daughter wants to fit in with everybody else right. she wants to be cool yeah yeah i remember in grade six myself that i was like had two groups of friends my soccer friends and the girls that were like cool girls at school cool but they were kind of like like chesting things like smoking and things like that and i remember they came to me one recess and they're like you have to choose you can't be friends with them and us and i was like well fine then that makes the choice really obvious i'm gonna be friends with yeah. my soccer friends <laughs> they yeah. would never make me choose <laughs> exactly exactly but you know not all girls have that kind of emotional intelligence to be able to right. make that choice and see why to do that yeah. yeah. And I can see how easily you can get sucked into the wrong path because, you know, at that next school dance, there was not a single person that asked me to dance. Whereas the one before I had a lineup of guys asking me to dance. So it's just funny how like that social situation changes so quickly. Right. Yeah. And, and I like what you're saying because, you know, that kind of thing hurts. Mm -hmm. It hurts. It, and, and so when children hurt and they don't have another way to deal with it, yeah. Often what they do is start experimenting with mind-altering substances, for example, right. like pot maybe or alcohol and then harder drugs because addiction has what we call tolerance. Mm -hmm. And what tolerance means is that to be able to get the same feeling, to be able to get the same hit, they need more. Mm -hmm. So they may start with pot and move on to coke. Right. Just to get just to get a bigger buzz, a bigger hit. So, yeah. And, and so when when children don't have an outlet for how they're feeling inside, what they may decide to do is numb, you know, stuff down what they're feeling inside. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And maybe like when they, when they stopped like wanting to be interested in the sports they were playing too, and, you know, not as interested in, you know, being outside and active like they used to. Yeah, because what, what I said before is that you can't be doing mm -hmm. addiction of any kind, you know, whether it's television or it's social media or it's chocolate, which I have a problem with, you know, we can't really be doing addiction, doing addiction and doing something else well. So we we make a decision about our priorities. And when kids really start to get involved in that culture, other things fall by the wayside. They just do. Right. Yeah. What are some things that, you know, if parents are, are noticing <laughs> some of these things happening, what, are, what would you suggest to be like the first things that we, we do? I think the, the first thing to do would be to, to talk to your child. And I know that some parents have a really hard time doing that. You know, some, some parents have really good relationships with their kids and they, mm -hmm. they talk easily and, um, and they have been doing that their whole lives. And that's really great. Other parents don't have as much of that going on. And it's not that that's wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, if you don't talk to your kids, well, that, you know, you're a bad parent. I'm not saying that, yeah. but what I am saying is that if you want your child to make a change in what they're doing, you're going to have to make a change in what you're doing. And that's probably going to have to come first. So you're going to have to challenge yourself to start having conversations and dialogues and listening, not just talking, but listening to what your kids are saying. Because if they're getting into addiction, there's something wrong in their lives. There's something wrong in the way they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
if that's not addressed, it almost always gets worse. Right. It's not it's not necessarily just a phase that they're going through, because if if it's a substance, if it's a behavior that they're using, like shopping or something like that, that could be a phase they're going through, could be. Or they could wind up having a lot of money issues later in life. But if it's something mind altering, Mm -hmm. then that doesn't get better because physically the body gets addicted. And it's so much harder to change something that you're doing when you're physically and psychologically addicted to it and all your friends are doing it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's interesting, you know, in in school, my son is in grade four and they're having body science classes in school, but I feel like they haven't really addressed uh, addictions in school. And I'm not sure, is that something that they do address in school or is that kind of up to the parents to I guess I should know as a parent, as kind of, well, I'm almost a 10-year-old, I should probably know if we have to have these conversations ourselves, or is this something they do in school? Or we, probably the answer is probably to do both. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I used to be a teacher in kind of a different lifetime of mine. Um, I was a teacher for about 10 years of, of elementary and junior senior. Uh, junior secondary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a drama teacher, so I really got oh, to fine. know the kids yeah. really well. Yeah. Um, that was a while ago, though, and they weren't, you know, addiction wasn't on the radar then. Um, and and so they weren't talking about anything like that then. We were lucky if we got any sex ed stuff mm-hmm. going on. But I would hope, see, I don't know the answer to that question, yeah. but I would hope that, uh, my hope is that people aren't scared of talking about addiction because the only way that we really can stop addiction is by not keeping the secret, the secret of addiction. Our secrets keep us sick. And if we, and if we keep, if we, if we don't want to talk about that, like if we don't want to talk about sex, then our kids are definitely going to have sex and they're going to have it unprotected and it's going to be a mess. Right? You're not going to know, and you're not going to know because it's not going to be talked about. And it's the same with addiction, you know. Right. So you know, there's there's a difference sometimes. I don't want to alarm people about this because kids go to parties, especially you know, grade eight up. You know, they go to parties. This pot at the parties, it's legal in Canada. It's mm-hmm. don't get me started on that, but it is. It's legal. It's it soon, probably soon will be in the U.S. too. <laughs> Yeah. And and it is an addictive drug. It was one of the drugs that I used and it's addictive. Um, But they go to parties and and everybody's smoking and everybody's drinking. And and that's just how it is. That doesn't mean that that their grades are going to suffer. It doesn't mean that their lives are going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. But for some kids, it might mean that. And you don't really know whether your kid's going to be that child that has a problem or not yeah so, i think mean, this is a hard there's a fine line between like dabbling and trying things you know at the weekends at the parties and then it being like a regular thing yeah and so and and what i'll say about that is that it's really not the addiction it's not the 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 substance or the behavior that's really the issue What's really the issue in addiction is what's underneath it. Mm-hmm. It's why people need to use it in the first place. What's yeah. the pain 
involved. Maybe your child is suffering from some bullying or some kind of trauma that they're not telling you about. Right. Maybe they're ashamed to come come home and say, I was beaten up today or you know, somebody laughed at me in class or that kind of thing. And when that continues to happen, then we want to stuff that down. Nobody likes to feel those feelings. So we stuff them down, we stuff them down. And that's really the issue. It isn't so much, you know, what you're smoking or what you're drinking or how much, or it's really what is the pain that's underneath that need to do that. So this is where dialogue is really important. And hopefully, in the school that your children are going to, there are good counselors. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Kenneth, you're an author of the book, Loving an Addict, Loving Yourself. The top yes, 10 can, survival I, can tips. I show it? Yeah. Yes, the top is. 10 survival tips uh, for someone with an addiction. So for, lo- um, for loving someone with an addiction. For loving, for loving someone. So, <laughs> for loving so someone. This book is for the loved ones. It's for parents and, yes. and, ch- and uh, siblings and grandparents and uncles and aunts who are concerned about a child. It's not for the addicts themselves. The addicts don't like my book, just so you know, because <laughs> we're talking about boundaries and consequences and things like that. Right. Yeah. Well, that's great. And you've given that as a gift, a uh, free chapter for our listeners today. So yes, we appreciate that. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit yes. more about the book. Uh, the book um, really gives a lot of a lot of tips, a lot of strategies uh, for dealing with this kind of thing. And it's um, there are there are 10 tips and there are some other there's some other information in there as well to um, when somebody is is involved in addiction. For you to be able to to what we want, sorry, I'm I'm kind of tripping on myself here, but what we want to do is stop any kinds of enabling behaviors. I'll I'll define that in a minute, but enabling behaviors, because enabling behaviors on your part will keep your child stuck in addiction. So what you want to do is learn how to actually help your child come out of addiction or not get into it in the first place when you start seeing these warning signs. So enabling, um, just a really simple definition, is when we do something for another person that they can and should be doing for themselves. And when we do that on a continuous basis, like um, an example I use is is children not learning how to do their own laundry. And when when parents keep doing the laundry for a child, just as an example, when you keep doing their laundry and they don't learn how to do it, sometimes they get this feeling of a lack of resiliency within themselves. And they might start to think, you know, well, mom or dad keeps doing my laundry for me because they don't really think I can do it myself. Mm, Interesting. And so we don't want to set those patterns up. We want to teach kids activities of daily living. We want to teach them how to cook. We want to teach them how to clean up. We want to teach them those kinds of things and believe in their resiliency rather than setting the bar so low for them that we do everything for them. Right. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So good. So that's so congratulations on, I see your book also won an 
award. So congratulations. Yes, it's won uh, several uh, USA and international book awards. And, you know, I, I, I like to tell people that I was I was stuck in addiction for about 15 years. I was an opioid addict. I uh, have Crohn's disease. And when I was diagnosed with that in the 70s, the doctors did not know what to do for me. It was a disease they didn't know really much about. So they just kept giving me addictive medications. And addiction wasn't on the radar then. Right. So they gave me uh, a lot of Valium medications. They gave me uh, Oxycontin and codeine and morphine and Demerol and all. They just wanted to get me out of their office because I was miserable and crying and in pain all the time. So this is what they did. And anybody's body would get addicted to those drugs and mine did. So I was basically an opioid addict for 15 years. And then I made a decision to stop doing that. And that's what it takes to stop an addiction is making that choice because life just gets so bad. You make that choice. And when families set boundaries, when families say to addicts, we love you so much, we love you so much that we don't want to support your addiction anymore because we don't want you to be in that place. We will support your recovery from addiction, but we won't support your addiction anymore. No more money, no more this, no more that. Um, we talk about, I talk about that in my book a lot. And for people who are listening, your children may not be addicted at this point and hopefully never will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but you may have other family members. Right. Because today, the way addiction is so rampant, it's like everybody, everybody either is affected by somebody else's addiction or they know somebody who is scary isn't it wow well Candice this has been like fabulous to have you here and thank you so much for your expertise you have so much expertise and knowledge around this topic and we really appreciate you bringing that to the podcast today any last words for our parents out there before we uh, wrap it up today you know the only thing I I would say is if you if you do sense that there's a problem if you think there's a problem then there probably is please trust yourself Mm -hmm. don't give up you know, don't think that it's so overwhelming that you can't handle it. One of the reasons that I work with the families is because there's so little help out there for families. There's a lot of help for people who are addicted, but very little help for the families. And we can help you at lovewithboundaries.com. You can come to our website, take a look, get in touch with me. We, we offer a free 30-minute Zoom consultation And we'd be happy to talk with you about what's going on and how we might be able to help. There is help out there for you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Candice, for being here with us today. Blissful parents, please reach out to Candice if you need some support. And until next week, go out there and have a blissful week. Thanks again. This episode is brought to you by the Blissful Parenting Toolbox. If you're looking for better ways to communicate with your child, deal with challenging behavior, or just improve your parenting skills, our free parenting toolbox contains the best resources from our expert workshops, as well as contributions from our podcast guests. 
These tools could be the missing link that you've been looking for to solve everyday parenting challenges and to access highly effective ways to communicate with your child without triggering conflict, arguments, or meltdowns. The best part is that these resources, tools, and templates are completely free and are a gift to you for being a valued member of our community and subscriber to our show. To get free instant access to the Blissful Parenting Toolbox today by visiting www.blissfulparenting.com forward slash toolbox. That address again, www.blissfulparenting.com forward slash toolbox. Register today and we'll see you on the inside.